like, and welcome back, and welcome here. Can't tell you how glad we are you're here. And we look forward to worshiping together these two nights a week as the semester goes along, and and uh, we're just thankful that you are here tonight and that you're in classes and we're praying that God will give you a wonderful, wonderful year. As we uh, as we think about uh, coming back together again, I, I, I recall that uh, last year we had a, a healing service. Do you remember that? The night we had the healing service and we prayed uh, and anointed Sharon, Matson, and others that came forward for anointing. And uh, most of you know by now that God worked a miracle in Sharon Matson's life this year. And Sharon, would you stand and we thank God. I can tell you, Sharon, you look like a different lady. And we're thankful for doctors and the wonderful gifts that those in the medical profession have been given. But I can tell you that each step of the way, God was right there with the Matsons, opening doors for them and getting them to the proper place. And, and we're so thankful, Sharon. And it's good to see you tonight. Talk to Randy Caswell today and... And uh, Randy, would you stand so we know who you are? We, we want to pray for you. We're going to pray for you right now. Randy's sister who lives in the suburbs of Chicago uh, uh, lost her baby at eight months. And uh, they're, they're having a memorial service this week for uh, Randy's sister. What's her first name? Donna. Donna. And Randy will be flying out tomorrow to go for that memorial service. Would you join me in prayer right now for Randy? Father, we pray for this family tonight that is suffering this incredible loss. It's it's, it's really hard for us to find the words to say. Except, Lord, we bring them to you. And we pray for Donna and her family. And I pray for our brother Randy as he goes. May he minister the grace of God and may he be there for them in this time. Protect him as he travels. And may he be a minister of your grace to this family in this very difficult hour. We thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're going to do there. In the name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen. Well, this is what chapel is all about, isn't it? It's time for the body to come together and to focus on what God might be saying to us. And certainly that's what we want to look at tonight. What is it the Lord is saying to us through this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? And read along with me. I believe it will be projected as we begin reading with verse 1. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path 
so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us as a fair exchange. I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. In this passage... The Apostle Paul reminds us of three things that I want to draw to your attention tonight. He reminds us of the grace we have received. In verse 1 he says, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Recently I saw a church sign that read like this, Saints are sinners who just try harder. Something about that bothered me. Something about that sign just captured my attention. I'm reminded of John Wesley's words in in Sermon 128, entitled Free Grace. He writes, How freely does God love the world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were dead in our sin, God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. And how freely with Him does He give us all things. Verily, free grace is all in all. The grace or love of God, whence cometh our salvation, is free in all and free for all. It does not depend on any power or merit in man. It does not in any wise depend either on the good works or righteousness of the receiver. Not on anything he has done or anything he is. It does not depend on his endeavors. It does not depend on his good tempers or good desires, or good purposes and intentions. For all these flow from the free grace of God. They are the streams only, not the fountain. They are the fruits of free grace, not the root. They are not the cause. 
but the effects of it. Whatsoever good is in man or is done by man, God is the author and doer of it. Thus His grace, free in all, that is, no way depending on any power or merit in man, but on God alone, who freely gave us His own Son, and with Him freely giveth us all things. But it is free for all, as well as in all. Now, do you see why I am troubled by that Sign that proclaims if we just work harder at it. In Acts chapter 15, verse 11, we read, No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. And in Romans 3, 22 through 24, we read, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Romans 11.6 reminds us, And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. And Paul writes in Ephesians, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then again, Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I tell you today that the Christian walk is not about trying harder. But the Christian walk is about leaning upon the grace and love of God who has given us all things that we need. I've, I've been taken by this video that, uh, that the Salvation Army is showing on TV. And I, I found one that, that, that captures really the same thing. And I would like for you to see that tonight. It's It's short. But, oh, it's so powerful. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a drug addict. An alcoholic. An atheist. An unlovable person like me. Saved a sinner. A sinner. A sinner like me. That saved a wretch like me. I once was broken. I once was lonely. I once was full of pride. I once was homeless, but now I'm found. I once was lost. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I'm brand new. But now I'm part of a family. Was blind, but now I'm part of a family. But now I'm changed. But now I'm happy. But now I'm whole. Was blind, but now I see. I met Jenny in Albuquerque, New Mexico this summer. 
I was there representing the college at the New Mexico District Assembly. Jenny heard my report and after the service came to me and she said, will you be here tomorrow? And I said, yes. She said, can I have just a few minutes with you? And I said, sure, Jenny. So the next morning I'm standing at our table and she comes in along with her family and husband. She sees me at the table and she directly walks toward me and greets me. And Jenny told me her story. She said, just a few years ago, I was a drug addict, homeless, without hope. And she said, one day my husband and I wandered into this Nazarene church. And there we met Jesus. And she said, I must tell you that that my life has been radically transformed. She said, I'm I'm now in the community college and I'm I'm studying to be a counselor. And she said, my dream is to go to the University of New Mexico and, and become a drug abuse counselor. But she said, I also feel called to ministry. And I heard your report, and and you talked about how I can take classes for ordination credit. And I would love to do that. And I explained it to her and and bid her farewell. And I saw her pastor in the foyer, and I, I went up to him, and I said, I just met Jenny from your church. And Mark said to me, well, did she tell your whole story? He told me that she'd been saved from drugs. And he said, well, that's not the whole story said, Jenny has a ministry at our church. Every Thursday night, she and a group of ladies take personal hygiene bags and they go into the inner city and they hand out those bags to the homeless, to the drug addicts, And to the prostitutes of our city. But they don't just stop with the hygiene bags. They also present the gospel of grace and hope. Someone asked her one time, Jenny, aren't aren't you afraid to go into that city and do that work? And she looked at them like they had kind of lost their mind. And she said, what do you mean? That was my people. Paul reminds us, never take for granted the grace that has been offered to you and that you have received. We are further reminded of the life we are to live. He says in verse 3, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. In this passage, Paul reviews a litany of hardships that he has faced. Yet he remained faithful to the gospel he proclaimed. In his book, The Daily Study Bible Series, William Barclay points out three areas of life that, that Paul refers to. He he says that in life we're going to have conflicts internally. We all know what that's about, don't we? When things press painfully upon us, it it just seems to crush us. It it, it will crush our dreams. It, 
it, it, it brings disappointments. We know what it is to have those painful internal conflicts that just seem to take the breath and joy out of life. We know about the inescapable pains of life, like separation and sickness and death. We also know about the anxieties of life. Any of you anxious tonight about your classes? I tell you, I've lived, I live, I've lived 59 years, and I'm not sure that I've ever seen a day in the land of my birth where people are more anxious about life than they are today. What are we going to do? Will I keep my job? Where will I get the money? How will I pay my mortgage? Can anybody fix this? These internal pressures bring conflict to our life, and and Paul refers to those. He's honest about those. Then there are the external difficulties of life. He says in verse 5, he refers to beatings. He, he, in verse 5, he refers to imprisonment. And then he refers to riots, trouble, seemingly everywhere. Paul experienced it all. Every one of these things. And then he talks about just the effort of living the Christian life. He mentions hard work. And I, I can tell you, for those of you who are beginning this great journey... Those who have been on this journey for a while will tell you that it's hard work. And he refers to the sleepless nights. And I'm sure you'll not have any of those. (laughs) Talks about hunger. Being hungry. You see, the thing I like about Paul is he's just honest. He just says there are times in life when you just want to throw it in, when you want to quit. Hey, I've been there. I remember telling my wife one time in a pastorate, I was so down and low, I said to her, you know, I think I could sell shoes for a living. I mean, we all go through those things, and and Paul's honest about it. Then he asks the question, how then should we live? If this is part of life, then how should we live? And listen to what he says in verse 6. Live in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. That's what Paul says about those conflicts that you face. Those internal struggles, those external things that are heaped upon you. He says, face them in the strength of the Lord. I was at another assembly this summer in Pittsburgh and I was sitting. It was hot. Oh, it was hot in there. 
It was so hot. I can't even begin to tell you how hot it was. I mean, as the day went, the coats came off and the ties came off. And I'm sitting over there and I'm thinking, how much longer can I stay in here? When I heard a pastor get up to give the report of his area, he was reporting for about seven or eight churches. And he started, he started talking. He, he talked about how that he had taken a church that they had pronounced the final benediction upon. In other words, they said, go ahead and take this church. You can't do anything to hurt it. And he began to give the report of how their attendance was up about 60 or 70. And I started listening to him. He was funny. He was optimistic. As he gave report after report for those churches, I got up and I went around. I said, got to see this fellow. And I listened to him, a young man. I found out that he had just graduated from Nazarene Bible College. When he finished his report, he stood there. And someone came from behind him and took him by the arm and led him down the steps. And when he got down the steps, he took his cane out and walked down the aisles his seat here was a man who could have said God how can you use me and yet he gave it all and God now was using him to build his church Bob Thomas was his name what a wonderful example of a person who knew and knows what it is to live out the gospel of grace. But there's one final thing. Paul reminds us of the grace we are to give. He says in verse 11, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. You know, what, you know what that says to me? As we have received grace, we should be the first to give grace. Open your hearts. And give the grace and love to those around you that you have received. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and I don't speak that language, so I probably mispronounced it, but that's okay. He writes, The soul must grow and expand so as to be capable of God. And its largeness is its love. It grows and extends spiritually 
not in substance, but in virtue. The greatness of each soul is judged by the measure of love that it has. He who has great love is great. He who has little love is little. While he who has no love at all is nothing. You have received. Now give. Open your hearts to receive His grace, to live in His grace, and to give His grace. I want to introduce you to my wife. This is Cheryl Graves, and uh, she prays for you. Yeah, so. She prays for you. And I wanted <laughs> you new students to know who she was if you saw her around here. I want you to receive tonight this prayer of benediction, the prayer of St. Francis. Would you pray along with me? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I might not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is dying, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be all of the glory, majesty, and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord who was before all ages who is now and who will be forevermore. Amen. Go in His grace.